0: It's good to be home. It really is. It's really good to be home. You know, it's funny. uh, I've I've been gone for three weeks. And uh, some of you may have missed me. Some of you may not. (laughs) But I had been gone for three weeks. And uh, actually, the trip started. Meredith and I went to uh, Italy, and we spent uh, four or five days with the Cushmans. I saw them come in this morning. And uh, it was a wonderful time in Umbria. With the Cushmans, and then we went on to England where our daughter's godparents, Bethany's godparents, he has a three year stint with American Airlines, and he's been trying to, he and uh, his wife have been telling us, you gotta come over, you gotta come over. They've been there two years. So I said to Meredith, why don't we go over and see the Cushmans and see the Raiders, and then you come home and I'll go on to Tanzania. So that's why I've been gone for three weeks because I was actually in Italy and then England and Tanzania, and it was wonderful. Because our agenda, unlike the last time we went to those countries, not Tanzania, but the other two, we were on a sightseeing bent. You know, we just wanted to see all these different places. When we went to to see the Cushmans, it was about just hanging out with them. We had a day trip. Uh, One day it was really great. Uh, But it was really just about spending time with Rob and Janina. And when we went to England... uh, it was, it was wonderful. We had been in a Bible study with Stephen Heidi for seven and a half years in Pittsburgh, and so it was really good to reconnect and spend time with them and, uh, and just catch up. Every evening we sat out. They have a, a place they're renting on the Thames in Eton, right across from Windsor Castle. The queen was in residence the same time we were. And she left the same day. She figured, Greg's leaving. I'm out of here. And, um, and so it was really great to be over there. And once again... Not that we were touring around, it was just kind of hanging out with our friends. And then we went I went to Tanzania and joined the team that was there, and there's a number of them here this morning, and, uh, and we had a great time too, fellowship with the team and fellowship with uh, some of our friends over there. For those of you that don't know, we've been going to Tanzania, this was uh, Kathy and my ninth trip to uh, Tanzania, and they were celebrating their 50th anniversary. So Kathy and I celebrated uh, together in their service with them, were invited to, uh, to robe and process, and uh, it was great. 5,000 people were there, and uh, the service lasted almost five hours. So I don't want to hear anything oh. anymore. I mean, it was great. It really was a great service. The following day, which was Monday the 6th of July, uh, we went with the Vanderslices and uh, the Valentine project that they'd been working on for several years, and the orphanage was dedicated. It was a wonderful, sweet day. Uh, It's called the uh, Bishop uh, Valentine Children's Home, and there are 19 children already there, and it was just a great, great time. So, I mean, just a wonderful, wonderful trip in so many ways, and yet not perfect. There's always challenges, isn't there? And you're reminded sometimes you're not home. And because you're not home, there's some unfamiliarity and there's some glitches. and I mean, several things that happened while I was there. One uh, that just kind of came out of the blue, I had a migraine, which I haven't had a migraine. I've had two in the last 25 years, and this was one of them. And it was probably due to the fact that I was in Embeya at the time. The altitude is higher than Denver. It's like 6,000 feet. And it was very dusty, and I was very tired and, uh, after my second clergy conference. And on the way back to meet the, the team, we had a flat tire. And that's when it started. <laughs> and so between the, the migraine and the flat tire, you know, I had some challenges. Uh, but it was, a, it was overall just a wonderful trip. And the Lord just blessed, and there were so many opportunities to do ministry And to share our lives and have fellowships, fellowship with our brothers and sisters over in Tanzania. And we reconnected because we hadn't been there in two years. so it was a very, very sweet time. Meredith and I had one other challenge that I will get to later on in the sermon. But, you know, when I came home, I mean, actually my last day in Tanzania, uh, as we were leaving the orphanage, I just wanted to be home. You know what I mean by that? You know how when you just want to be home. I just wanted to be with Meredith. I know, isn't that sweet? But I didn't get to talk to her a whole lot or email her a whole lot, and I felt separated. And, you know, don't get the rumor out there that Greg and Meredith were separated, okay? That's not good. (laughs) But, you know, it was just great to get home. We're going to be married 36 years next month and just to be together again. And then to talk to my children on the phone. And to be back at St. Luke's with my friends here. Particularly longing to be back because of several losses that had taken place in my absence that Nathan uh, really handled well. So, but it's a blessing to be back. You know, home is the place where they love you. Unconditionally most of the time. Where they have to love you. They have no choice. Because you're there. It's a place of familiarity. It's a place where you have established history. And there's fewer barriers like culture and language and different kinds of food. It's that place where you can let down. It's so nice to come home. But you know, as I was reflecting on these scriptures, as I was coming home and preparing the sermon, you know, I thought about it and thought, you know, as much as this is my home, it's temporary. Not because I'm planning on moving away or going anywhere, but it's still temporary. Because what I read in Ephesians is our home is meant to be in heaven. That we begin to head towards home the moment we know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That's where we're loved unconditionally and eternally. That's where there are no challenges. That's where there's perfect communion with the Lord and with one another. And we sometimes lose sight of that. That when we really understand what God's about, that He's about bringing us home into a relationship that changes our relationships with one another or is meant to in our families, in our church community, and to impact the community beyond. That's when we really begin to understand what God is about. See, this particular passage here Interestingly enough, if you go back a couple of verses to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it's a gift of God, not because of works, lest anyone should boast. In other words, the fact that you're invited to come home in the first place is God's grace because there's been a broken relationship. And he's saying, through Jesus, come home. Come home. And we're being saved. Saved from what? Well, on the one hand, when it comes to the eternal picture, we're saved from not-too-pleasant, different home for all eternity. But we're also saved from ourselves and our shortcomings and our failures and our struggles when we really begin to understand what God intends for us by the power of the Holy Spirit. That He wants to bring us home and make us more and more whole as we come home because we all fall short. And as this passage unfolds in Ephesians chapter 2, we get more of a sense of what Paul is talking about because he starts off with this line, you were aliens and strangers. And another version of the Bible says, you were separated. You were separated. And separation is hard enough. Broken communication or interrupted communication. But take it a step further. Take it as if someone was going through a divorce and is separated. And the pain that's involved in that, the broken relationship, the non-communication, The hurt, the rejection. See, that's really what Paul's driving at. When you, in your sin or in your ignorance, are not seeking a relationship with the Lord, it's as if a separation and a divorce. And Paul's saying, through Christ, we no longer need be separated. That you're not an alien. I I think it's interesting the modern translation is alien because really the, the term is sojourner. It means that you're traveling in a foreign land, which, you know, we just very much can relate to, especially in Tanzania, where things are so different. But the word alien makes the point even more. And all of us are familiar with this whole notion and idea of aliens, right? I mean, from childhood on, I mean, some of you grew up in the... Twilight Zone era, you know, where aliens were. Kind of really rudimentary aliens. Or Martians. You know, the War of the Worlds. Or or you think about my generation, Star Trek and Star Wars, which I absolutely loved, and all the aliens around there. They're different. There's obvious differences. Like when we walked into this one restaurant, we the team over in Tanzania... I had been there once before with one of the guys who was my translator and we had lunch together. So I talked the team into go into this restaurant because they had barbecue. And one of the things that you immediately recognize when you go to the barbecue there, it's not the hog heaven, guys. Trust me. <laughs> I mean, the main item on the menu is goat, which I actually really like, by the way. If it's prepared well, goat is good. But as soon as we walk in, I hear the one guy say to the other guy behind the counter, Mazungas. That means white people. Because we are the only ones around. And it's interesting just to have that reminder. We're different. We're aliens. We're sojourners in a foreign land. And we're reminded of that. But you know, this whole notion and idea of aliens, when I was over in, uh, I forget at what point or stage in my trip, I was watching the BBC News, and they were talking about the discovery of Pluto, and they were so excited about it. You know, there's so much excitement in the world about the discovery of Pluto. In fact, I even kept a couple of articles from the Tanzania paper about that. Because, I mean, I think it's fascinating. At one point, they were talking about Pluto really isn't a planet. It's probably an asteroid. And now they switch back to it's a planet and all that kind of stuff. So there's fascination. But I heard two scientists quoted. One t- scientist said that now we're going to discover more about the origins of our universe. And I'm thinking, really? Crack the Bible and go to Genesis 1 and 2. You get the picture. Is it really going to help you get what you want? You think it is, but it's not. And secondly, one guy said, and I kid you not, this is a famous scientist that they quoted, we have a better chance of encountering aliens now. Really? You buy that stuff? But it's just fascinating to see where science goes. But making the point that aliens, they are so foreign to us, they're so distant. And what Paul is saying here is, you're no longer an alien and you need to recognize before Christ, before his death on the cross and you knowing him as Savior and Lord, you had a broken relationship with God and you were as if an alien. Because you weren't connecting, you weren't communicating. There was such a distinction that you were living in a foreign country. A stranger. You know, that's the blessing that happens, first of all, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That when you're in a foreign country, you're basically a stranger. But when you come in contact with brothers and sisters in Christ, that wall already begins to come down. That because of our ongoing relationship with the people of Tanzania, we are no longer strangers to one another. There was a reunion. There was love. There was fellowship and friendship reestablished. There's mutual ministry that shared. That we're no longer strangers. See, that's what God's design is for us in our relationship with Him, for starters, but then our relationships with one another if we really understand what God's about. And how we can get estranged from people when we're not walking with the Lord. When we're not carrying His gospel, His Spirit in our heart, and we're forgiving and we're patient and we're kind. We miss it. We miss it. He goes on to say, and you have no hope without God in the world. I have said dozens if not hundreds of times throughout my life, how can people live without hope? You know, if you, if you go to Rome into the catacombs of Rome, and you go to the pagan side where there are bodies buried, as opposed to the Christian side. You'll read things like, on the pagan side, my light has gone out forever. I will never see them again. And you go to the Christian side. And it's more or less, praise God, they're with God for all eternity. And they're going to be filled with joy and filled with peace and know His love uninterrupted. And I will be united with them. Completely different picture. I don't know how people live in the world without the Lord. How do you make loving decisions? It's based on your own need, oftentimes. How do you make holy decisions? And we can see how people depart from that as they depart from any sense of the Lord. What is a good decision? Without the foundation and the filling of the Holy Spirit. No hope without God in the world. How do you deal with someone who's close to you who's dying or has died without the hope of the resurrection? How do you deal with when you face your own mortality? If you have any question about what's on the other side, if there is the other side, no hope. You know, when Meredith and I were in Italy, and we left the Cushmans and took a train to the airport in Rome, we arrived two hours ahead of time. The night before we had gotten an email, we can't issue a boarding pass, so please get there in plenty of time to get your ticket." So we showed up two hours ahead of time, went to the terminal that we're supposed to. We arrived at Terminal 3 on the bus, went to Terminal 5. And we went through the security, got to the gate. We're in line waiting. We get up to the ticket counter, and they look and they say, well, you have a reservation, but not a ticket. You ever heard of that before? Let me tell you, if you ever hear that, you're in trouble. (laughs) You have a reservation, but not a ticket. And we said... We don't understand. And Meredith even, you know, eventually would show them the email that we got. Well, you just don't have a ticket. So they sent us out to the desk, British Airways. And the woman said, well, you have a reservation, but you don't have a ticket. Yeah, we've established that. (laughs) It's not our fault. It's not our fault. We knew we were in trouble at that point. You need to go to American Airlines. We look over at the American Airlines desk. There's nobody there. They said, oh, yeah, everybody's gone for the day. So you're going to have to either get online and try to figure this out or call them. Well, how do we do that? Well, we just had a fire in Terminal 5. You're going to have to go back to Terminal 3. Okay, so we go back to Terminal 3. The Internet's down. So we go to the information desk, and the guy gives us a phone number. We call the number. It's a wrong number. So I get try to get on the computer at the information desk, doesn't doesn't help, doesn't work. So we go back to Terminal Five, we go up to the desk at British Airways, and the woman says, What are you doing back here? Didn't you do what I told you to do? <laughs> Whoa. So much for customer service. I mean, I was I was actually so in awe and bewildered, I didn't even get angry. I've never experienced anything like that in my life. She says, I can't help you. And there's no one here that can help you. And you need to do what I told you to do. So Meredith and I are walking away. I mean, we're dazed because we have no idea what to do. No idea. Meredith happens to see this woman walk by. It says, terminal manager on her badge. And her name was Sylvia. And Sylvia became Our Savior. First of all she said I need to go up to the Air American Airlines office upstairs I said there's someone here she said oh yeah she lied the other woman lied so she went up to the office she comes down with these printouts and she said oh yeah there's there's a number missing here that caused US Airways to not communicate to American which caused them not to communicate to British Airways but we'll get this fixed she went up to the British Airways desk and they get into an argument and, and she chastises them, and she says, we're going to get American Airlines to make this right. So she gets on the phone. I mean, we're just waiting there, just watching her take care of us. So she allegedly got us on two Italia uh, airline tickets. So we, she said, I'm going to make sure you have tickets. So she goes over. She goes behind the desk while we're waiting in line. She comes back out, and she says, they lied. They only have one seat, not two. She said, I've got to contact American Airlines again. So she gets us on Lufthansa Airline. And we got out that night. She was with us for seven hours. Did not leave us until we were on the plane. She was our Jesus figure. She saved us because we had no hope. We had no way to figure out how to deal with this. She was our advocate. She was our Holy Spirit who came alongside us if you really understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit. She cared for us. Meredith and I both said to her that when we walked away from that desk, all we could do was pray because we had no idea what to do. So we prayed. Literally, Sylvia walked by. She was our godsend. And I said that to her. She said, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. She said, oh, okay. (laughs) So we actually then started talking about her life. And we prayed for her. And it was a wonderful gift from the Lord. Because it was also a witness as to how he operates in the world. And provides hope where there is no hope. So without him, you're without hope in the world. You're without hope of changing the way you need to change and be changed. You're without hope of living with reconciled relationships and even more than that. Relationships that blossom with the love of the Lord. To be filled with His joy and His peace, the fruit of the Spirit. You miss it. And that's why God sent His Son. To begin for us to understand what it is to be home in this life as we're moving towards our eternal home. Hope. Hope. he goes on to say in verse 17 he came to preach peace to those who were far off and to those that are near now i'm not sure you fully comprehend that who are those who are far off and those who are near those who are near might be like the centurion who came to jesus having a roman background probably didn't fully comprehend who god is Or what God's about, but had a sense and sought Jesus. Or it might be like Nicodemus that lived under the law and lived under the covenant of Israel, but knew something was missing and said, I've got to find out. I've got to go see this guy. Or it might be like Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 that calls to Peter because the Lord laid it on his heart to seek Peter because he knew something was missing. He was a God-fearer, but didn't understand what real faith was. Is about. That's someone who's near. You might be someone who's near, but you don't really understand this relationship with the Lord. You don't really understand what it means to give your life to Christ. But you're here, which means you're near. And we can help with that. Those who are far off, Those who have a broken relationship with the Lord. Jesus dealt with those. The prostitutes, the tax collectors, the sinners, the Samaritans. Those who either didn't know or they were blatant sinners in rebellion. Those are the ones who are far off. You might even be in that spot. You're still rebelling. You still have hardness in your heart. And the Lord wants to break in and change you. That's what He wants for you. So that you understand you have a home. An eternal home. That's what He's after. And He came to preach peace. Peace is not just the absence of conflict. Peace is contentment. To have peace when you have a troubled heart. To have the peace that passes all understanding. And as Paul writes to the Colossians, peace through the blood of Christ. Because it's the only way it really comes. Because we have peace with God and then peace with others. And that's how we live. That's how we embrace life and life eternal. Is peace. His peace. He came to preach that peace. As the passage draws to a close, he talks about this oneness, that we become one with the Lord and that eventually we continue to grow as to one with one another. That's what the atonement at one meant is about. That's why Jesus came. So that we would understand this intimate union with the Lord. It's not just about head knowledge. It's not just about being good. It's about a relationship and abiding. Like Sylvia was with us and walking us through the challenges of this life. To get us home. To get us where we need to be. And oneness with one another. You know, I experienced that with the Cushmans with our friends the Raiders, and even with the team. Were the relationships perfect? No. We're not perfect. Some of us are less so. And we need to work on forgiveness and patience and kindness, especially when there's stress involved. Because we're still coming home. I want to close with telling you about two people in particular that are friends of mine in Tanzania. One is Richard Kamenya. Kamenya, two years ago, along with John Gao, we traveled to Mbeya by car, 17 hours straight. We got there at 1 o'clock in the morning. And we began to establish a friendship. And he's been my translator when I've gone back. He's been my translator three or four times. And over those years, Kamenya and I have developed an incredible relationship. A relationship that when he translates, we are clicking together. It is so much fun. He interprets with the same passion I do. He seems to have the same kind of presence in person. He was asked to put his name in to be Bishop of Mbeya, and he said, no, I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher. I love that. So we had meals together when we weren't with the group and we traveled back to meet the group in Kibindu together. He traveled with me again another 14, 15 hours. But when we were up in front and we're clicking and we're going, at one point, I tell this one, one story and he goes on and on about two or three times longer than me. So I said, I I just interrupted, I said, Excuse me. I turned to Kamenya and I said, What was that about? And he said, Well, I told this little kind of side story. And he tells me what the side story was. Okay? And we're up in front and every and I push him and everybody starts laughing because they knew what was going on. I mean we just have this fun, playful relationship and we get along so well. And I love Kamenya. He's a brother in the Lord and we serve together and we connect and we connect when we do ministry. That's the church. That's what the church is meant to be. And then Gal, my friend Gal, who I've known for 10 years. He met me at the airport after the group left and we spent four hours together just catching up, sharing our lives, praying together. And it was wonderful. And he shared with me, he testified how the Lord had sustained him during a difficult period of time. And then he asked me, he's thinking about trying to get married again and who should he kind of date and what kind of... And I mean, it was just a really sweet time. No longer strangers or aliens. See, that's what the Lord wants to do with us. He wants us to do that with us in our own relationship with Him. To understand He is meant to be our home. Our safe place. The place we know we're loved. We have to be loved because of the cross of Jesus Christ who laid down His life for us. Where there's contentment and peace and will be for all eternity. And my question is, where is your home? Where's your home? Please pray with me. If you don't know the Lord, this is an opportunity to change your eternal destination. To know you have a home where there's love and joy and peace for all eternity. If you're a believer, to recognize and hold on to the hope you have in Christ. The advocate you have in the Holy Spirit. That you can live by confidence and peace. That you can become an instrument of love and reconciliation and healing. And that heaven is your home. Lord God, I pray this day that this would be a reality for us. A hope that goes beyond hope because we know. A faith that recognizes the gift of your Son, Jesus, and the depth of your love. And your desire to bring us home and for us to be one with one another. Lord, make it so. So that this home, as blessed as it is, is only a foreshadowing of eternal life with you. Make us such a people and such a church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.